0: are listening to the Batflip podcast a baseball podcast from belly up sports and the belly up podcast network here are your hosts damien and matt welcome back everyone to the Batflip podcast my name is damien here with my co-host matt uh back with you again after a couple weeks layoff uh, i am completely sorry about that i uh Got a new computer in, and then ended up having some internet issues, that stopped us from being able to record. Um, But we are back now. Uh, Feels kind of weird after having a little two-week layoff. Um, You know, not doing this for two weeks after we've been doing it for five to six months every week. It it feels kind of awkward, but uh, I I don't know how you feel about that, Matt.
1: Yeah, it does feel kind of weird. Luckily enough, uh, we didn't have too, too much news that we missed, uh, so... The good news is that uh we can bring it all to you this week, and uh, everything will be good, so um, doing uh pretty excited for it,
0: yeah I'm excited too. you know we're like we said, spring training has started. um we got our last couple major free agents um, have signed um you know we also started the injury bug during spring training um and then gonna bring you the, the kind of the good and the bad of who's looked good and who's looked bad um you know spring training you really can't read too much into it but what are we a, a week and a half two weeks in now it's uh it's you know you can look in a little bit and see hey this guy's maybe struggling this guy's looking good more on uh you know not what the results are but what you know his velocity and and, and what's going on around uh around him altogether but
1: yeah and pretty soon too you know so far we haven't really had that much everyone's kind of getting warmed up but in the next week or two we'll start to see guys who are kind of borderline on making teams i think that's kind of the big part of spring training that uh that happens where the results do matter to a certain level and we'll start to see that in the next week or two as well
0: absolutely uh well let's jump into the the last signings that we've had um and let's go ahead and start with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., former Boston Red Sox center fielder, uh, signed a deal with the Milwaukee Brewers for two years, $24 million, that has an opt-out after this first season.
1: Yeah, um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a really good defensive player. Um, he's had some a couple of years where he was good with the bat as well, but uh, the defense is really what drives his value. Uh, two-year, $24 million deal. Um, he does have an opt-out after that first year. So uh, it could be a one-year deal. I think the opt-out was $13 million if he, if he walked away. So it could be a one-year $9 million deal if he has a big year. Um, his career, only a two thirty-nine hitter, but a three twenty one on base, uh, good walk rate, uh, four twelve slugging percentage. He's run a pretty low batting average on balls in play for a lot of his career. But this past year, that number went up some. And he actually had a one twenty WRC plus this past year. He was really good at the plate. Um, and put up one of his what would have been one of his better seasons if it was a 162 game season. Uh, 2016, though, by far his best season, put up over five wins above replacement. Was truly a a, super, a star caliber player that year. Um, if the bat does well this guy is uh could be an all-star and if the bat's pretty average he's still a useful player because he plays a really nice center field but works out great for milwaukee because you know lorenzo kane isn't quite what he once was and uh maybe you could throw him over in left field or something uh to help maybe mitigate you know some of the issues that might be there at this point you know he doesn't quite have the range he had his arms not quite as good even though he does still have really good range um you know that would be a nice, uh, a nice thing to do, and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. of course, being the
0: defensive player he is, is uh, spectacular. So, yeah, it could be a really big upgrade in that center field spot, like you were saying, with uh, with Kane not being quite what he was. Um, it's interesting because they did have Avacel Garcia already, so maybe he splits some time with Kane in in left field. Or it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I don't see Jackie Bradley Jr. being a platoon bat for them at all. So. Um, but we'll go ahead and move on to our next signing that we had, um, and that's Jake Odorizzi, um former Tampa Bay Rays and Milwaukee, or not Milwaukee, sorry, we just got talked about the Brewers, uh, former Minnesota Twin, uh, signed a two-year $23.5 million deal with a player option for 2023 with the Houston Astros.
1: Yeah, um Jake hes a good player too, good pitcher. Um uh, he's got a career, three ninety two ERA, the uh the FIP and xFIP, FIP, uh, you know, his peripheral is just a little bit higher than that, but um you know, pretty solid mid rotation starter. Um, twenty nineteen, he was really good. Uh had a three thirty six fielding independent pitching and a three fifty one ERA, put up over four wins above replacement, was, was legitimately a you know, a, a all-star caliber pitcher in uh in 2019 and uh 2020 only pitched i think like 12 or 13 innings uh, i think he dealt with a little bit of uh, injury bug in 2020 but with it being a short season i put wouldn't put too much stock into it and uh you know the astros getting him if they get him at his 2019 forum for two years 23 million dollars that's a pretty dang good uh pretty dang good decision and, uh of course you know it's pretty low risk being you know just a two-year deal if, if they don't get that for him if they get just the mid-rotation guy he's the you know it's probably market value so um i like this deal for the astros and for odor is i mean you, you know he's getting paid a pretty good bit of money and that's nice over 10 million a year after a kind of injury season and then with this being the COVID year teams aren't paying quite as much for the most part as they were uh you know this is a you know pretty nice deal for both sides i like it
0: yeah, I think it's a nice fallback for Oterizzi. Um, You know, he probably should have got more money last offseason, uh, but then the Twins franchise, or not franchise tag, I'm sorry, NFL, man, that's been crazy. <laughs> but they gave him the qualifying offer um, and that really hurt his market so he decided just to take that and that's obviously before we even knew what this coronavirus p- pandemic was going to be like. And then he comes back and has this injury-shortened season so it really hurt his value here. Um, you know, and it's a good deal for the Astros, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, they've already suffered a couple pitching injuries in the spring training already, and they're already missing Justin Verlander for this entire year due to Tommy John surgery. Um, so to sign, you know, you could say a, a middle of the rotation uh, pitcher to a to a nice deal like this, you know, not it's not too bad, ten to twelve million dollars a year for a guy like Jacob Rizzi. That's a very team friendly deal as well. Um, some, he can go in there and eat some onions for them. So
1: yeah and like I say with Oderizzi, it's a guy who you're not too worried about the risk on this you know with there being only a two-year deal it's, it's not that big of a deal and sometimes also with the with, with deal you see guys battle themselves and a lot of times it pays off you know you saw it with uh marcelo zuna and josh donald's in the last couple of years those deals one-year deals paid off big time you've seen it on a few qualifying offers for, from players the last few years taking that qualifying offer and run with it uh but sometimes you know these prove it things don't really work out you know you look at over you know, they he had a down year and he had the COVID year, and now he's not going to get what he would have gotten last offseason, even with that qualifying offer attached. You look at, you know, Marcus Stroman. Um, last year was uh, a guy who, or coming into this year, he got that qualifying offer, and the Mets are going to, you know, keep him now. And you know, is he going to be the Marcus Stroman we know that can be really good? and or and get that contract or is he going to be the guy who you know have a year kind of like odor had last year where he just really isn't all there you know so it'll be interesting to see what happens sometimes that betting on yourself especially for pitchers uh doesn't work out the best but sometimes it does so um uh, it's very be very interesting to see um you know how uh, odor does in
0: houston though for sure yeah it really is um so we'll go ahead and jump on to our next one. It was a, it was a smaller smaller one of the deals. Um, it was actually an extension. Um, that's Hunter Dozier uh, signed a four-year, $25 million extension with a fifth-year option uh, with the Kansas City Royals. I think that option you said is uh, is a $10 million deal?
1: I believe it was. But so. well,
0: Hunter Dozier, I mean um, – you know the the Royals are in the middle of that rebuild. he's coming up on the age of thirty um he's been there for four seasons so kind of locking a guy who's been around for you know he i think he was there right at the start of their or he his he was starting right about that run they were doing in 2016, 2017 ish um he's not a he's not a great major league player he's a solid you know his career is two fifty three average three twenty three on base a career one o four w r c plus um, terrible defender, though. That's, that's where he really lacks is, is defensively. Um, I don't think he's going to be the third baseman right now. I think they might have him be the DH. I know they let go of Michael Franco, but... You know, overall, it's a solid deal for for Dozier and for the Royals, locking a guy who's been there for a while with you, and then Dozier gets his financial security.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you hundred percent on Hunter Dozier. He, he's a, he's a pretty decent big leaguer. I think I would probably prefer if he was on my team, have him as a bench bat. Uh, but you know, twenty nineteen, he hit twenty six homers, two seventy nine, three forty eight, five twenty two. Uh, put up bump three wins above replacement i mean you know he's had a good season in his career and that was only in 139 games so you know you kind of throw out last year with it being the covid year even though he was okay last year i mean he had a 104 wrc plus only played in 44 games um he's a guy who you know you can probably throw him out there at third and his defense isn't good but it's not just completely ab- atrocious you know it's below average but you know he might move to first and you could probably see some success there uh dh obviously with him being in the american league um i think he's i think it's a perfectly fine move for the royals to extend him and it's pretty low cost it's only a what six million dollars a year for a guy who you know has the potential to probably put up you know pretty good major league regular numbers two to three wins above replacement uh for the next three or four years I, i mean i think that's a perfectly fine deal for him
0: so absolutely well Let's move on to the to the big fish extension that we had. Um, that was Fernando Tatis Jr. signed a 14-year $340 million extension with the San Diego Padres. Um, this one is a, a deal that is unprecedented, to say the least.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, boy, I to start with this one. Um, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. is a really good player at a, at a young age. Now, there's a couple of things that make you believe this deal might be a little bit crazy. Um. To start off, you know, he's only played, he's played fewer than 150 games in his big league career, (laughs) so that's number one. He's only played 143 games, so those games have been very, very good, though, and he's got, you know, put up over six and a half wins above replacement already, Uh, you know, 150 WRC plus. In 2020, he just got better. His strikeout rate dropped by 6%. His walk rate went up. Um, He... he he hit for lots of power, 17 home runs in 59 games. And this guy, he's, and he's at shortstop. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal talent, super exciting young player, 96 mile per hour average exit velocity last year is insane. Um, you know, he's one of the young stars of the game and, and a potential, you know, he's probably, he's already a top 10 player in the league and he's a potential number one player in the league as soon as Mike Trout, you know, uh, relinquishes that role cuz I think Mike Trout's got a stranglehold on it for a few more years at least but um he's a he's a very 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 good player but 14 years, $340 million. That's a lot of money. And if you compare it to some of the deals, and I, I jotted down some of the, the similar types of deals that we've had over the past you know, 10, 15 years for young players. This is guys with less than two years of service time, which Tatis technically has two years of service time, I believe, almost. Um, it's, it's less than two years. So he didn't get called up day one last year. But um, so you look at these... Eloy Jimenez, he had no service time, got a six year, $43 million deal with two club options. So you're looking at probably about an eight year, $65 million there. You look at Ronald Acuna Jr., after he had won Rookie of the Year going into his sophomore year, he had got an eight year, $100 million deal with two club options, which made it basically a 10 year, $120 million deal from the team's side. And that's probably the one I compare it to the most because they had played a similar number of games and. To be honest, had similar numbers. Um, I think uh, Tatis maybe a tiny bit better on the uh, offensive numbers, but both of them were superstar-looking players who have the potential to be the best player in the league. Um, and I think that when obviously Tatis is buy, you're buying out four years extra free agency on that deal, but um still that's 240 more million dollars that your team is putting up uh aussie albies is another one after just one year of service time signed a seven-year 35 million dollar deal with two club options that one you can almost throw out because everyone knew at the time it was a very undervalued deal for the player um Luis robert uh robert uh six-year 50 million dollar deal with two club options Andrelton Simmons, after a one-year uh, in the big league, signed a seven-year, $58 million deal. Ryan Braun, after one year, an eight-year, $45 million deal. That was back in like 2008, though. So that was a different market at the time. And then Evan White signed a six-year, $24 million deal. You know, this past, or it been, I don't remember if it was 2019 or before 2020, uh, but that also include, has three club options that make it up to $55 million. So those are all deals that were signed at similar times to Tatis. We've never seen anything like, Tatis is still at, at this at this low amount of service time, so it'll be interesting that the Padres have made their you know ha, have made their choice. They're gonna the Tatis, they're you know he's their guy for the next 14 years, whether he like it or not. And um, you know that's very even for a guy like Tatis, that's very risky because I think he's got a chance to be the best player in baseball, but um, that's 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 a long time, and for a guy who's only 20. 22 years old there are a lot of different things that could uh there's a lot of different things that could change um in the in those 14 years so it'll be very interesting to see how this deal plays out and i think you're going to see a lot of future deals um and future extensions depend on how this deal looks here three or four years from now
0: yeah and uh, you know as a dodger fan i absolutely hate this deal because Means I gotta face Tatis for basically for the rest of his career, but as a baseball fan, I mean this is an amazing deal. You you know you get the young players, like we said, so unprecedented. Young players have never got paid like this before, um, and we're all for the players getting their money. Like just give all the money to the players. Like they deserve way more than they get compared to what the owners, and uh, and the league makes. But what what's fascinating is the amount of money that the Padres have spent on that infield. I mean, you just look at the left side of that infield, and you got Manny Machado, three hundred million dollars, and now Tatis, three hundred forty million dollars. So that's a that's one expensive left side of the infield for sure.
1: Yeah, and one other thing about this too is that I'm sure the, the, with the way that most of these young players' deals are structured, I'm not exactly sure how Tatis' deal specifically is structured, but a lot of these young players have their deals very backloaded because they would initially they'd get an initial raise for a few years. Uh, through their uh, contract renewable years and then their arbitration years but really the big raise is where you're basically trying to value their free agency you're trying to get value on that and um, you know it's interesting to see the breakdown on this but uh, but even then I mean the Padres here in just a couple years are going to have Manny Machado making a ton of money and tatis making a ton of money it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do with their other young talent and if they're able to continue to supplement their two stars with you know really good players around them because they do have some good players around them right now but i mean is you darvin or are they going to be able to you know bring back a guy like don Nelson lamette are they going to be able to bring a guy back like mike clevenger who obviously not playing this year but he's obviously one of their big pieces in their future blake snell i mean they're going to have a lot of they had a lot of players at the big league level that are going to be free agents in just a couple of years that you know you worry a little bit about that but um you know if, if Tatis ends up continuing on the trajectory zone and being the player that he looks like he's going to be I mean, you know, you look at some of the extensions, like what Mike Trout got with the $430 million or whatever it was. Um, And, you know, if Titus is on that kind of trajectory, I mean, you're probably are saving money with this deal, but uh, it's a, it's a big one and it's risky. And you never know also how a 22 year old is going to react to that much money. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. It'll be, I'm I'm excited to see. uh, I'm I'm very excited for the kid too. I mean, it's life changing money at 22 years old.
0: It really is. And I, I, believe i saw this on this but don't hold me to it i believe he actually got some no trade protection in this as well um i believe he got like a 10 team limited no trade clause that he can put on it for the first i think it's like six four six seasons or something it's basically through his until he'll get his 10 five rights which is a full no trade clause Right. um so not only did they lock them up to this money, but they basically hamstring hamstringed themselves to saying like, we're so committed to you that we're we're gonna give you the opportunity where we can't even move off of you if we want to, and you're gonna have to approve it, basically if we have to go to these teams. Um, so it's it's a big deal for the Padres and it's a big deal for Tatis. I mean, like you said, it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be fascinating to see how this one ages out because it might open up a whole new market for the younger players in the game. You know, before waiting for that. That uh, free agency money to come in, right? But uh, we spent spent pretty good, decent amount of time on that. So uh, let's go ahead and jump over to more of a sour note, um, and that's kind of going over injuries that we've happened so had happened so far during this spring training. Um, you know, we hit on it earlier with Jayco de Rizzi, um that the Astros have actually lost two starting pitching. Starting pitchers already. One is Famber Valdez. He ended up getting a broken ring finger on his pitching hand. Um, He could miss all of 2021. Uh, He opted not to have surgery, which would have taken him out for all of 2021. And I think he's just going to let it try and heal by itself. So we don't have a timeline on when he's expected back, if at all. Um, and Forrest Whitley, who's their top pitching prospect, he has a UCL issue, um, and Tommy John surgery is recommended, but he's getting a second opinion. Yeah. uh, Injuries are, it's unfortunate spring training,
1: you know, you have to build up your innings. You can't just go out there and, you know, be ready to go from the beginning. But, uh, you know, with, when it comes to the, um, when it comes to spring training and unfortunately you are going to see that some of this every year. Um, I think Fran Valdez got hit by a comebacker is what happened yeah. It broke his wearing finger. So kind of a freak injury. Um, I would assume that he probably does expect to be back at some point this year since he opted out of the surgery. Cause if, if they were really expecting it to be the full season, he probably probably would have just kept him, um, uh, they probably would have just gone ahead and got the surgery make sure it feels better. Um, Forrest Whitley, a very unfortunate Tommy John surgery, a young guy who had great stuff. Um, he's a guy who struggled a little bit the last couple of years. They were hoping he would kind of break out soon, but um, that's just so unfortunate to, to hear about a young guy like that, you know, right on the cusp of the big leagues having a, a major, you know, injury that that's a career, even though Tommy John at this point is they, they've gotten so good at it that a lot of times people do heal back a hundred percent. That's a, that could be a career changing type of injury. So that's a really unfortunate, um, but a couple more we got here. Um, that uh Cole Calhoun, uh, a meniscus tear of four to six weeks. I believe that was last week, so he will probably be back. He could be back right around the first week of the season, but it could be a couple weeks into the season
0: for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them slow play him a little bit. The Diamondbacks aren't a contending team, really. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised for, for them to give him a couple extra weeks just to make sure he's right. Plus, we still got this long season, so um, I expect Cole Calhoun to probably be back I would say two or three weeks into the season. Um, another issue we had was Lorenzo Cain. You know, we talked about them signing Jack Bradley Jr. He has a quad issue um, that's been holding him back. He might not be ready for opening day. Um, you know, As we get closer, obviously, we'll get a little bit more clarity on that. But as it's looking right now, it doesn't look like they're going to have him for opening day. So maybe a, a, about a week or so after that, Lorenzo Cain will be back.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. Lorenzo Cain, though, being a, a veteran player like like he is, um, you know, probably wouldn't take quite as long for him to get ready for the season, uh, get his timing down and everything. So hopefully, um, you know, he can get into a, some spring games in the last week or two. And uh, but obviously, as you said earlier, the Brewers outfield all of a sudden with Jackie Bradley is fairly crowded, so they could probably afford to let him rest to make sure he's 100 percent before he gets thrown in there. A um, couple pitchers who, um You know, star pitchers that were injured and are, you know, trying to get back healthy for the season. Uh, Mike Soroka, um, he pitched a simulated game the other day, uh, looked pretty good. And they said he may get a a start in the spring, which I don't think he will be ready for the opening day rotation. But they're thinking hopefully within the first month of the season, he could be back. He had an Achilles tear early in the season last year. Um, and then Donelson Nelson from San Diego, uh, apparently he pitched a, a pretty good simulated game. Um, he did, he only threw 20 to 25 pitches. So obviously, you know, with the elbow injury, he's still a little ways away throwing that that amount. But uh, he was touching 98 through several sliders, which I think was the pitch that was kind of bothering him, his elbow. Um, they said he looked really good and they're hopeful that, you know, he could be back fairly early in the season. So uh, that's a couple of good news on the injury front there, but uh, some of these injuries hurt pretty bad. I mean, it, you look at Framber Valdez, that that injury hurts the Astros big time because he looked really good last year. And then, um, you know, I think the NL Central is going to come down to the wire this year. And uh, you know, I think the Brewers, and in fact, I might even I haven't made my picks yet, but we'll do that in the next couple of weeks. But I think the uh, the Brewers are a team that could very well win the NL Central and losing a guy like Lorenzo Cain if if he's not ready for opening day that first week of the season it it doesn't seem to matter every year but at the end of the day you look at you know the difference between winning the division and missing the playoffs altogether could be three or four games and that first season first week of the season you're playing three or four games so you want everyone to be healthy and ready to go and uh hopefully Lorenzo Cain will be that so
0: absolutely um well what we wanted to do is just kind of Show you guys or let you guys know about some of the guys who's been good in spring training so far and who's been bad in spring training so far. Um, and one guy I know David has, uh, our buddy in our group chat, has been asking me if we're going to talk about how good Jock Peterson has been for the Chicago Cubs because of you know me hating that he got went over there from the Los Angeles Dodgers and he's a Cubs fan. Um, so, David, here it is. Jock Peterson has been fantastic so far in spring training. Out of 14 at-bats, he's had six hits, three home runs, um, a double, seven RBIs, uh, three walks, only four strikeouts. That comes up to a four twenty nine batting average, a five twenty nine on base, and an OPS of 1.672.
1: Yeah, he leads current qualified uh, hitters in OPS so far in the spring. So a good start for Jock. It seems like he's – he always has gone on, as you know better than anybody. He has gone on a lot of hot streaks where he looks crazy good and cold streaks where he doesn't look so good. But it's always good to see a guy like him have his timing down at the start of the season. Um, Another guy that uh, has been pretty good so far has been Gary Sanchez. Uh, He's a guy that I've been really, really hard on – the catcher for the Yankees. But uh so far he's been pretty good in the spring. Uh 364 uh average. He's hit three home runs, couple of home runs on this first game. So he's a guy who seems to have come out ready to go here in this spring. Uh you know, very very good start for him.
0: Yeah, another guy who's been really good is uh Joey Gallo. Um, I'm trying to look up his stats. I, they went missing on me for yeah, a second, I, but I know you got them.
1: Yeah, I've got them, uh, the important ones at least. Uh, he's, he's hit 429 so far and uh, five home runs, <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. I think he's only had like 18 or so plate appearances. But uh, the most important thing for Joey Gallo um, in that we've seen so far is his strikeout rate is only 20%. This guy who has run a 35% strikeout rate in the big leagues – you know, which is very, very difficult to be able to sustain any kind of success with that kind of strikeout rate. And um obviously it's a very, very small sample size and all this changes. All these stats so far, it's it's a good indication that some guys are ready to play, they're in shape and everything. But it's not a great it not always the best indication how they're gonna do during the season. But um that's a good sign at least for the for the Rangers if Joey Gallo's cutting his strikeout rate, still hitting for power, so um very very good deal for him uh but also uh we're gonna look at some pitchers here too how about madison bumgarner
0: yeah madison bumgarner was sure. really good he uh he's pitched two innings and struck out all Everybody. six that <laughs> he's pretty much yeah, uh,
1: yeah i, I think, think he gave up one good. one hit maybe or, or then maybe. he struck out this other six
0: like. yeah i think it was four of the six or five of the six came on his slider which is one of the pitches that he's been very known for for throughout his career but that um last year it seems like a lot of people were laying off the slider and just punishing the fastball so if he's got that slider you know actually breaking back again um then the, he he might have a bounce back year
1: yeah and you know sometimes in early in the spring teams guys at the plate will just be keying on fastballs trying to get their timing down so that could be a little bit of that uh you know people swinging at a slider a lot but we'll see it's interesting to um interesting to look at um so another guy's uh Corbin Burns who's been really good he's pitched three innings hadn't given up a run yet uh seven strikeouts um he's one of my candidates for I'm probably not going to pick him for Cy Young but I think he's going to be really good this year he looked great last year and I think he's just going to get better
0: yeah I've been a big fan of Corbin Burns um He's come from my hometown, so you know, always got to support them. So Cor- Corbin Burns, I'm, I'm all on the breakout train this year. I mean, he had a breakout last year, but I'm all on the train of him, uh, him having a Cy Young contender season this year. So uh, would not be surprised about that. A um, couple pitchers I wanted to mention. One is Shohei Ohtani. Um, you know, you can look at him from both ways. He had a massive home run. But the big thing is, is his velocity is back. I mean, he's been hitting 99. I think he's even hit 100 and 101 this um, spring training so far. Um, but he looks to be back actually able to pitch on the mound. And it sounds like they're going to go with the six-man rotation and kind of one start a week for Hotani So that, that'll be good if, if they can do that. And it, it, the game needs him to be healthy on, on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, that's massive news because the Angels are one of my teams that I think are sleepers this year. I think they underperformed some last year compared to their talent, but they've got some, if they could ever muster up some pitching, they would be very, very, very good. And uh, with with their lineup, the, the stars that they have, it's hard to acquire the, the star power that they have uh, offensively with uh, Rendon and Trout. I mean, that's two top 10 players in the league. Um, and then if you can, You know, get Otani out there pitching like an ace, which he's got ace stuff. That's 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 fantastic news, and he's also a fun player for the game. You know, with the way he's a two way player, I think that's really cool. So,
0: absolutely. And the last pitcher, yes, it's a little bit of homerism. Sue me, guys. Uh, Trevor Bowers looked fantastic so far. I mean, last year, Cy Young. Um, but he's come in and in five innings, he struck out five people. He's only walked one. Um, and the big thing about him is that he's touched 98 and he's never had, never had that velocity before. I mean, I think last year he said he topped out at 96, um, and he's never hit 98 in his career and doing it this early in spring training. Um, that could be a a massive thing for him as well, but don't want to spend too much time on that. Um. But we'll go ahead and, and kind of move over to the people who have not been so good so far in spring training. Um, and one of those being Matt Carpenter uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals. He is 0 for 13 with seven strikeouts so far.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when you look at the spring, a lot of times it doesn't matter. and But sometimes also... You look at trends, too, and when a guy is trending the way Matt Carpenter trended the last few years, and you see him start off the spring 0 for 13 with seven strikeouts, and that's really not a good sign. Uh, obviously, it is the first week of the spring, and you expect him to be... He's obviously a better player than 0 for 13 seven strikeouts, too, but uh, you know, some kind of career renaissance type thing, it's hard to... It, it puts a little bit of doubt in your mind on that one. Um, so... But I mean, you never know, uh, like I say, early in the spring, uh, another guy who's really struggled. And of course, I don't think anybody should be very worried at all about this one. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is just one for 14. If um, it's actually his very first at bat of the spring. He hit a double. And ever since then, he's been over 13. Um, you know, he struck out five times or something. And I'm not I would not be super worried about Ronald Acuna Jr., not playing well i mean it's early in the spring you know he's just getting his timing that kind of thing and he's a guy who's obviously not trended in this direction so um, uh, i wouldn't be too worried about him if, if the season starts and if he doesn't pick it up for the rest of the spring and then you get two or three weeks into the spring and he, into the season and he's still doing this then you might start to worry a little bit but i wouldn't be too worried about him so uh there's a couple more guys you got damien
0: yeah another one i got is um jorge soler um in 18 at bat so far he struck out 5 times um only a one sixty-seven average you know in in 2018 and 2019 Jorge Soler looked like he was on the edge of a breakout especially in 2019 when he hit 48 homers um you know both those years he had a 2.65 batting average 3.54 on base put up a 123 wrc plus and a 130 wrc plus those years um and then last year, he dropped to a 228 and a 326 um, batting average and on base. Still had a uh, 108 WRC, plus, but it, it just wasn't what we were expecting from Jorge Soler. We thought he was on the edge of that breakout. And then, you know, through the shortened season, he struggled. And then into spring training, he's struggling a little bit. So, you know, is this the real Jorge Soler that we're actually seeing now? Or, or can he turn this around and, you know, and get back to that 2018, 2019 form?
1: yeah for sure and uh one other guy we had and it you know hopefully he turns it around because i think everyone's pulling for him after the this off season he had but tommy fam started off over 11 and uh we all hope that he's able to uh pull it together but he's also a, a guy who maybe not to the same level as lacuna but he's a guy who is not has not trended in this direction and you know he was a good player last year so we expect him to start to turn it around and, and chalk it up to just early season uh early spring training number so
0: yeah and if you guys don't know the tommy Pham story i we had heard about it but we didn't know how bad it was um and i actually heard about it on saturday while the dodgers were playing the padres on during spring training tommy fan ended up getting or ended up getting stabbed in the off season outside of a club but the wound was a 12 inch by 5 inch gash that took over 200 stitches to to uh, to sew up so I mean, him going 0 for 11, him being able to play baseball together right now is is fantastic news. Because they said if if the blade would have went quarter inch in any other direction, he would have been he would not be here playing baseball right now. So very thankful to still have Tommy Pham out there and playing. And I I hope he can turn it around. Because especially after the the eye issues that he battled with before, and and he finally looked to get that fresh start in uh in San Diego, and then this happens, and I just feel terrible for him. So hopefully he can turn that around
1: yeah for sure and i expect him to you know he's getting his timing back and stuff and um you know like i say if if players if really really good players that are established struggle early in the spring training i don't worry too much about it if players who really struggled last year or have trended in this direction for a while struggle, then you maybe worry a little bit but uh looking at some pitchers who you can probably tell a little bit more about pitchers because if they come out they are just completely out of it um or their velocity is way down. Sometimes there's a trends that uh, will continue. And uh, one of them that I've actually watched a couple of he, you know, he was on, they had him on national TV a couple times uh, so far, and uh, he has not looked good Is a uh, Garrett Richards, uh, the new Red Sox pitcher. Um, he played for the, had a pretty good year for the Padres last year, but he is uh, not looked good at all. He's walked six guys in four innings, um, a 13 and a half ERA, Um, but that ERA should be worse. I was watching the first game of the spring, and if if y'all don't know, this year in the spring, there's a new rule where for the first, I think it's the first week, so I think it actually stops after like today or something. Uh, First week of games, they're allowed to cut innings short and just say, you know, that way the, the pitcher can, Work in the number of pitches that they want to, while having a normal type amount of rest type thing, so that it you know that'll at least feel kind of like a normal first inning, second inning, third inning, so they can start building up their pitch count innings. And uh, Richards had walked four guys in a row, and they called the inning with no outs in one of his outings. So, uh, but he has not looked good at all in either one, and um, you know that's unfortunate for the uh, for the Red Sox because they signed him and he was going to be counted on to be a part of that rotation this year. And um, hopefully he's able to pick it up a little bit because that's been a struggle. But um, definitely, uh, definitely not good. Not a good sign to be that off already in, here in the spring.
0: Yeah, another guy that's really struggled so far is Carlos Martinez from the Cardinals. Um, in four and two thirds innings, he's given up six hits, six earned runs, one hit batter, five walks, and only three strikeouts. Um, you know, he's a guy who has battled between being a starter and being a reliever and they don't really know which way to go um and I think they kind of committed to him being more of a starter again this year and it, so far it's not looked looked too great for Carlos Martinez so um you know if he wants to continue starting he's going to have to to really turn it around so far
1: yeah um you know that's a trend that if we've seen that out of Carlos Martinez before with the losing control. So who knows, maybe he'll find it again. He seems to go through phases where he finds it looks really good and then he'll lose his command, but um, definitely interesting, uh, interesting one there. Um, another guy who um, has really looked bad in the spring so far, probably out of these guys, he'd be the most worrisome one is uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, two innings. He's given up five earned runs. Um, but the biggest thing for Kimbrell is that his velocity has dropped he's topping out at 94 and with Craig Kimbrell at, at this stage in his career with the command and control he has, um, he cannot be throwing 94, uh, you know, he'll just get clobbered. He has to be a guy who's throwing 98, 99, 100 with his current control because, uh, he's, you know, if he can't find the strike zone or, or even locate within the zone, um, he's got good walks and homers are going to kill him so he's going to have to find it and and obviously early spring he's only pitched in two games two innings pitched so he might end up building that velocity up but um, very worrisome for a guy who's been really inconsistent the last two years and um, you know he's he's gonna have to be better than that so
0: yeah it you know I expect him to build that up but you know, can you build up three miles per hour? That's going to be an yeah. interesting thing. I mean, he's he's battled with mechanical issues as well um, in the past couple years. So it's going to be interesting to see what what Kimbrell can do because the Cubs are going to really need him to be the old Craig Kimbrell and not, yeah. not this version of him. Um, you know, another Cardinals guy I wanted to hit on is Quan Young Kim. Uh, in three innings so far, he's given up ten hits, seven earned runs, three walks, and only four strikeouts. Um they started him as a as a closer last year came into the rotation and his e r a looked good but as you said, his peripherals were were really bad and then that seems to be carrying over into into the spring training so far that he has not looked good at all
1: yeah, and um you know the cardinals they don't are not gonna have Dakota hudson this year uh most likely he did an injury, so um you lose um you know, two other guys who are likely going to be starters for you to to performance. So they they're going to need these guys to turn it around, or that team's not going to be good. Jack Flaherty's had a rough start too. I didn't mention him in this, but he's only pitched because he's only pitched one inning, but it was not a good inning. He gave up three runs in his one inning, and then uh, really their best, they're good. Their only real bright spot pitching so far in the spring has been Adam Wainwright, who's actually looked pretty good. But um, you know, the Cardinals are going to have to figure something out. They, they can't have Jack Flaherty pitching like he did last year. They're going to have to have the second half of 2019, Jack Flaherty. And they're going to have to have Kim and Martinez both pitch better than this um, for them to be successful this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, one other guy that, you know, I wanted to touch on, and it's sad for me to say it, it, it pains me because I really like this guy. And I think everyone does, uh, but veteran pitcher, not the biggest deal in the world for the landscape of MLB this year, but we were hoping everyone, I think in the back of their mind was hoping he'd kind of make a comeback and have a career renaissance. And that's Felix Hernandez and um, really, really, really rough uh, to hear that, you know, his, he has not looked good. I, I don't know what his stats are this spring so far. I don't think he's pitched, but maybe one or two innings, but um, he was topping out at 84 to 85 miles per hour velocity. And, you know, this is a guy who, you know, last spring was throwing, 89 to 91 still so that's a pretty big velocity drop and you worry about his ability to um he had pitched in the big leagues in two years and you worry about his ability to to pull that up and even if he does how effective will he be so um that's something that kind of stinks to to hear that he's not really looking that great but you know like i say early early spring we've got three more weeks of spring training then we got the start of the season a week after that you know all these things could change. You're talking about stuff like two innings, three innings, five innings or 10 to 15 at bats. Every one of these players is going to have a stretch this year where they go over 13 or one for 14 or three for 18. There's going to be a sh- one. Every one of these guys is going to have an outing where they pitch three innings and give up seven runs. I mean, it's just going to happen. So uh, it just happens that it was the first spring training outing for some of them.
0: Yeah. It just happened to fall on the, you know, in the date where we're getting ready to, you know, have a podcast that we have to fill some, uh, some airtime. with. So, <laughs> so sorry for to these guys. Um, you know, I, I ended up pulling up Felix Hernandez's stats, um, as you were talking right there and he's only pitched two innings so far this year. Um, I think he's given up two runs, uh, two strikeouts, two walks. So he's very much in the, in the category of, as Vince Scully would say, deuces wild with all those twos. But, uh, You know, like you said, everybody's going to be rooting for King Felix. Um, He's not quite the King Felix that we all remember. But especially after last year, you know, he got out of Seattle and then he he went to Atlanta spring training and he was battling for that job. And he looked really good. And I think think he was going to get that, that fifth starter job pretty much. And then this whole COVID pandemic happened and the shutdown, and he decided to opt out. And then he ends up, you know, having to sign with the Baltimore Orioles. And then this is the first version of Felix we're starting to see. So hopefully he can he can turn that up because, like you said, he's a fan favorite, and I I don't think anybody's going to be rooting against Felix Hernandez at all.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see him be able to turn it around and have a good season, but I just don't see it right now. With You know, if he had come out and you, people were talking about how good he looked and how he was looked like he did the spring last year and stuff, yeah. then I would be pretty excited about it and, you know, I'd be hopeful. But, I mean, I
0: just don't know, so – Like we were talking with with Kimbrough, you know, can Kimbrel gain three to four miles per hour? Felix needs to gain six or seven to be back to what he was. So, or at least what he was last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll keep you guys updated on, on these things as they're going on. This probably be a, at least a weekly segment for us right now. But, um, I mean, I don't think we have anything else to hit on unless you got something else you want to, you want to say?
1: Yeah, real quick. I was going to mention, um, there was been a lot of talk this spring about the ball being changed um and i saw something earlier today where uh one of the pitchers i forgot who it was uh you might you might remember who it was but they were talking about how they felt like their curveball it might have been blake snell actually they felt like their curveball was was spinning a lot better because the seams felt they just felt better on their on their hand on their fingers and uh that uh, they definitely didn't think the ball was carrying as far. So we we look like we might be back to the, the type of ball that we had, you know, pre 2017, uh, which I think is a good thing. Honestly, I I know everyone loves to see the home run ball, and I love to see the home run ball. But sometimes home runs become less special when it's every single guy gets up there and is hitting 30 home runs in a season. So um, I love the special moments and when the home run really is a big deal and stuff. And I think sometimes uh. You know, in some of the way the game's played, we lose some of the excitement from balls in play, base running and stuff too. Um, Not that I'm a fan of, you know, guys going up there and bunting and stuff, but just some of the stuff like, you know, you you lose some value from guys like, you know, like D Gordon or something that were really entertaining to watch back five, six, seven years ago. And then, you know, sometimes it it takes that power, that that gap away. You, You get a guy like Giancarlo Stanton, who's probably got some of the most raw power we've ever seen. Uh, in the game and you know, his home run ability is about the same as a guy like, you know, DJ LeMahieu or something that, you know, he's doesn't have much raw power at all, but he's on a short porch and there's a the juiced ball. So John Carlos hitting his home runs 480 feet, whereas LeMayhew's hit his 350 feet, but they count the same. So I think you I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. And I think it highlights the really special home run hitters more and the guys who can really hit the snot out of the ball. And um, I think it helps with some of the, the problems in the game of, uh, you know, the pitcher has been real scared to throw strikes lately because of the home run ball and the ability to, you know, I think cut down on some of those walks, cut down on some of those strikeouts. It might help with that. Um, so, um, you know, cause pitchers might be a little less scared of the home run ball. I think this is a good change. Um, I think it's been needed. I, I think some of the way that things are moving, was getting a little too too out of hand. Some like some games were turning into a home run derby, and you know if I wanted to watch a home run derby, I'd watch the home run derby. So I want to watch baseball and have yeah. a little bit of everything. So
0: no, I mean as you're talking about that, it it, it brings up a good point because I uh I've been watching a lot of the spring training games um, this year, and and I can see a visible difference of sometimes I'm like oh that ball has crushed like that ball is gone, and then it's not even to the warning track. Um, you know, and a little bit plays with wind and stuff, but you can, there's a visible difference so far this year that you can see that some guys that you can see the the hits that they make and you're like, oh, that that's going to carry so far. And it's still in the field of play. Uh, and I believe I was watching, I think it was the Cubs game um, today and the, the Cubs broadcasters were talking about that exact same thing that the players, they've talked to a lot of the batters around the clubhouse and stuff that. You know, it seems like the the art of hitting is going to come back a little bit more because they said every guy was coming up and they were just going for home runs because why would you go for anything else when it was so easy to hit them now? Um, and they said that people are sometimes these people are struggling with their approach already in spring training, just a little bit of a difference with that ball that they can tell through batting practice or in these game situations that the ball's not carrying. So they're they're trying to make adjustments to not as much launch angle and more of the line drive back approach. So like you said, it's going to be a fascinating thing that, that if the game can – how quickly is the game going to turn back or, or will it turn all the way back to how it was in, in 2016, 2017? Um, you know, and not so much of the strikeout or home run and more of the art of hitting altogether, you know, some – Putting hits together, putting an in, in, inning together with with a single or a double and a single, you know, are we going to see a little bit more bunting maybe? I mean, like that was a very good point that you brought up about that ball because I, yeah. I, I noticed it so far in spring training, but I, I totally forgot to bring it up.
1: Yeah, and, and to advance on your point, I think you look at stuff like some players are going to really benefit from this as in the fact that they're probably not going to get better. From from the from the ball, but their style of hitting doesn't isn't hurt by it as much. Guys like Michael Brantley, who's he can hit for power, but you know he's a line drive doubles hitter. That this is probably not going to affect him too much. A guy like Freddie Freeman, who you know a lot of line drives, a lot of doubles. You know I don't think it's going to affect him that much. Justin Turner, maybe another one. A lot of line drives, a lot of doubles. You know he he's got a good approach at the plate, but you're going to have some guys like Joey Gallo who you know, his entire game is the home run ball. If he doesn't hit home runs, then he's not going to do well, or or maybe like an Aaron judge where he'll probably still do well, but a judge is another guy kind of like Stanton that has that power that sometimes you're just like, you know, why are you hitting it 500 feet when you only have to hit it 400 feet? (laughs) But um, I think, I think that's very interesting. And and I do think it's going to have a change on the game and uh, back to, you know, I, I think the game changed a lot when we got this quote unquote juiced ball in 2017. And I think that the three true outcome hitting has hurt the game a lot. And I think, you know, you've seen a lot more guys sacrifice their ability to hit, to get hits on balls in play to, for for the ability to hit the ball in the air with the same amount of power, where that same fly ball goes from being a fly ball out to a home run. I think you're going to see those home runs go back to fly ball outs more, and it's going to hurt players that have bought into that so much. So, very interesting to look at. Um, that's a trend that will be followed very closely early in the season. Uh, probably the most the, the the first thing that people will look at early in the season is going to be how are, how is the home run ball looking? How how many home runs are people hitting um, over across the league in general? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting.
0: It really is, and it's going to be one that that will be fascinating for us to watch you know and, and bring to you guys about that so that, that was a very good point very good point that you brought up there because i it's been a noticeable difference so far in spring training um as far as i'm concerned being able to watch so many games so you got anything else you want to you want to hit on
1: oh, i think that's pretty much it uh next couple weeks you know we're gonna have uh some um you know, uh, the most important thing is going to be guys who are looking like they're going to make teams, guys who are looking like they're not going to make teams. I don't think we have any more notable free agents out there. I think Shane Green might be the most notable one. Um, uh,
0: him or Michael Franco? Michael
1: Franco, yeah. A couple guys who, you know, Shane Green's not. He's a, he's a middle reliever. Michael Franco, a uh, guy who, you know, kind of a middling uh, bench bat type guy. Maybe a starter, you know, if he has a good year. So uh, not too much of that left, but uh, I think you're definitely going to see some, uh, definitely going to see some some news come out of, you know, guys potentially making the team, guys getting hot, guys figuring things out, you know, a lot of stuff like relievers, who, which relievers have, looked, have made changes, adjustments, that kind of thing. Um, and then of course injury news, who's gonna be ready for the season, that kind of thing. But uh, I think uh, you know, starting with next week, we might might be able to start making some predictions on the season. I'm excited for that. So uh, it's the most wonderful time
0: of the year here, opening day. So yeah, opening day is right around the corner. I'm excited. Right
1: the corner. In fact, I think it's what is it April 8th? Is that opening April day? April 1st. April 1st. Okay. April
0: Fool's Day. Uh, and, I thought uh, it was.
1: I thought it was later than that. Maybe last year it was a little. It was, it was slated to be a little bit later. Yeah, no,
0: the reason I know is because they were talking about uh, um, the Rockies, the Dodgers are facing the Rockies, and the Rockies got approval for 21,000 fans, and they were like on April 1st, and people are like, you're going to show up to the ballpark, and they're going to say, April fools, you can't get in. Yes. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, but it, it right at the beginning of April, so we're a little under a month away from opening day. So, like you said, those position battles, they're going to, you know, we said spring training just started, but... But those battles are are hot and heavy in competition already. So um it's gonna be fascinating to see that and and you know finally get some meaningful baseball games. It's, you know the the first couple of weeks it's more about just getting a feel, but you're gonna you're gonna see the the starters play a little bit longer, the, you know a little bit longer into these games. Get three at bats, maybe four at bats, play nine innings, um, get their feet under them because a lot of these games have been six to seven inning games. They haven't even been a full nine. So. It's going to be interesting. It's going yes. To be interesting and, for
1: sure. and on your point about the opening day crowds too, it sounds like most teams are going to have, if not all are going to have some fans in the stands and uh, some teams are having up to 50%. So uh, I saw the Orioles 50% today, which is like 25,000, um, which is probably a better a crowd than the Orioles would have gotten regardless. So um, yeah. with, with the state of their team, but uh, interesting to see things are going to change on that front too. As you know, Cases are dropping and vaccines get out and all that kind of good stuff and I wouldn't be shocked to see by the end of you know by May if some states have already lifted their COVID uh all their COVID uh, regulations so you know you might end up starting to see full stands and I think the the at least from my from what i've heard the braves currently plan on having all-star games in atlanta this year they're planning on having a full crowd for the all-star game as of right now so that would be early july so uh, very interesting very exciting um can't wait for things to get back to normal and uh this is you know I think I think we're getting there it's good stuff so
0: i'm excited we're getting there, we're getting there soon so thank you guys for tuning into this episode though this has been the Batflip podcast and we will catch you guys next week thanks so much